Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Big day in gold today. Gold broke above 1200 for the first time in almost a year. In fact, we hit a new one-year high. I saw gold trading above 1260 at one point in the morning. That was up better than $60 on the ounce. It closed up 4910, I believe, at 12490. And you know, remember I was on that CNBC Futures Now earlier in the week, and gold was around 1180, 1190. And remember, they were trying to press me where I thought it would go. And I said, look, it's going to go higher. I said, I'm bullish in the short term, the intermediate term, the long term. But I said, I'll tell you one thing. I said, when gold breaks through 1200, it's going to move to 1300 very quickly, and people are going to be surprised by how quickly that move is. Well, it's already been one day, and we're halfway there. So we'll see how hard it is for the market to get from 1250 to 1300 But obviously, with the kind of momentum that we got, it might not take that long. Meanwhile, gold stocks still, in my mind, reflect a lot of skepticism on this rally. I mean, gold stocks were up about 7% on the day. But considering gold was up 4%, a 7% move is not that big, especially when these stocks are still so far uh, from their 52-week high. I said gold just made a 52-week high. I think we still have maybe another 25 or 30% rise to go in gold stocks for them to get back to where they were uh, the last time gold was at, at this level. And in fact, intraday, Every time gold sold off maybe five bucks, the gold stocks would give up, you know, two, two percent. I mean, who cares whether we're up 50 or 55 or 60? It's a huge move. The gold stocks have a long way to go to catch up. In fact, many of the bigger gold stocks actually closed near their lows of the day, uh, despite the fact that gold was up about 50 bucks. So, again, we're climbing a wall of worry. Yeah, there are a few people that are now saying, yeah, look at gold, buy gold. I was watching uh, on CNBC, and they, they they interviewed Mark Cuban, who said that he had just bought some uh, call options. 
on gold stocks, or he didn't just buy them. He bought them maybe a few days ago because he bought them out of the money, and now they're at the money. But he said he doesn't believe in gold. Uh, he has no idea what's going to happen to it. Uh, he just doesn't know what's going on. He's losing money every place else, and he figured, hey, let's try gold. He thought maybe there's some momentum there. People would just jump into it because it's going up. And so he joined the party. But there's not a lot of guys that are doing what Mark Cuban is doing. Most of the people I hear are very skeptical. And, you know, I mentioned on the last podcast, even Dennis Gartman, right, who got bullish on gold, he told people not to buy. He said, wait for a pullback. Well, the people who are waiting for a pullback are still waiting. And they missed this entire $50 move if they were listening to Dennis Gartman. And remember, I said that brought me some solace because this way, since he's telling people that gold's going to go up, but not to buy it until it pulls back, then I'm more confident that it's going up. If he had just said buy it, then it might have meant there was going to be a short term correction. But it would have been okay because in a couple of days, he would have said sell, and then we could have been uh, back with the forward momentum. The stock market, of course, the mirror image of the gold market today. At one point, with less than an hour to go, the Dow was down 400 points again. The NASDAQ was maybe down about 60. And then all of a sudden, there was a rumor floated that the United Arab Emirates was considering uh, meeting with other OPEC nations about a production cut. Uh, and all of a sudden, the market rallied. The NASDAQ actually rallied positive. The Dow got to down maybe 170 or something like that. And then they rolled over on the close. Dow down 254. NASDAQ down 1676. Horrible close. Of course, the weakest stocks on the day continued to be the financials getting decimated to new lows. I mean, Goldman Sachs down about 4.5% on the day. Uh, Morgan Stanley down 4.5% of the day. A Bank of America down almost 7%, 6.8%. That's just a few examples. All these uh, companies making new 52-week lows. But outside the financials, the debacle du jour in the stock market was Boeing, which is a Dow component, which was down 7% on the day, near a three-year low. Uh, the lowest I saw at intraday was down 12%. The news is that the SEC is going to be investigating their accounting practices that can't be good. And also they have reported uh, that they're going to be laying off uh, workers in an effort to contain their costs, which is obviously not good news for those Americans who are going to lose these high paying jobs at Boeing. But again, this is par for the course in the American labor market. This is what's going to happen. A lot of people are going to lose their jobs. So let's say a typical guy who maybe is on a production line or something in Boeing, maybe he was getting paid $85,000 a year. Uh, with benefits, he had nice health insurance, he had vacation, sick days, all kinds of stuff, profit sharing. Uh, you know, he had a good job, and now he's fired. And now what's going to happen? Well, maybe he's going to have to hobble together three part-time minimum wage jobs. Maybe he'll work at a restaurant someplace. Maybe he'll get a job uh, in a Walmart or whatever he's going to do. Three part-time low-paying jobs. And guess what? That counts as plus two, right? Lose one good full-time job with benefits at Boeing get three low-paying, crappy part-time jobs at fast food restaurants, and the Obama administration and Janet Yellen could claim that the U.S. jobs market, the labor market, is great because two new jobs were created. And it's not just about bad oil loans. I mean, that's part of the story, but it's a much bigger deal than that. That's just a tip of a huge iceberg here. And in fact, that's why the market rallied, right? Because that rumor of OPEC doing something to, to uh, prop up oil prices, everybody is convinced that what we need for the stock market is higher oil prices. No, we don't. Higher oil prices are not going to help. 
They'll help oil stocks, but they're not going to help the overall market, even if the overall market bounces, because some guy wrote an, an algorithm that runs a program that says buy stocks when oil goes up, just because people have noticed the correlation. In fact, Steve Leesman was saying on CBC this morning, he said, you know, he, he never would have believed that the market would be so dependent on the oil price that the two would be tied together. And look, a lot of people are making that mistake of just assuming that it's oil driving the stock market. It's not. Yes, at this point, so many people believe it that in the short run, it may be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But again, it's the same factors that are dominating each. One is interest rates. Everybody believes the Fed is going to raise rates and higher rates are going to be bad for the stock market and bad for the oil market, right? So they have that in common. Also, the economy. The U.S. economy is slowing down. In fact, it's probably already in a recession and a recession is going to be bad for the stock market and bad for oil. So that's what they have in common. It's the weakness in the U.S. economy and it's the trajectory of interest rates, which is also causing the dollar to be strong. Uh, that is impacting both oil and stocks. But eventually, I think oil prices are going to go up and the stock market is going to continue to go down. Of course, many people were hopeful that Janet Yellen's second trip up to Capitol Hill, this time talking to the Senate, uh, maybe would save the market. Maybe she would undo some of the damage. Maybe she would give the market uh, what the market was hoping for. But apparently that was not the case. Although Janet Yellen, I think this time in the Q&A, was closer to admitting that negative rates are coming, right? Because she actually said they were considering negative interest rates and they would consider doing it if the economy needed it, right? If, you know, they needed more stimulus. Well, <laughs> why would they even be considering it if, if the economy was in such great shape? They don't even think they're going to cut rates to zero because everybody is talking about negative rates. They're skipping over zero like it wasn't even there, right? There wasn't any discussion about just reversing the rate hike and going back to zero. All the conversation today in, this, in the Senate was about the possibility of negative rates, right? We, we just go right past zero to negative. Nobody really talked about QE4. It was all about negative rates. And, you know, you would figure that negative rates would be something the Fed would try after they went back to zero and that didn't work, right? Or after they did more QE and that didn't work, right? You figure, because they've never done negative rates yet. So you figure that's the most desperate thing that they're going to do, right? Because they didn't even try that. As reckless as they are, they considered it in 2010, but decided, no, they didn't want to go there. So if Janet Yellen is now seriously considering, she's talking about negative rates. It's because she's thinking about going to zero, and that doesn't work, doing QE4, and that doesn't work either. And now she's got all the way to doing the unthinkable, which is something that she didn't even uh, want to try or not, or, and Ben Bernanke didn't even want to try in 2010 when we were supposedly in a lot worse economic shape than we're in now. So she really lets a cat out of the bag by talking about how she's considering it and thinking about it. She obviously can't be as confident in the economy as she pretends to be or why waste her time thinking about something that's, you know, such an unlikely possibility in the first place. The other thing I thought was interesting about today's testimony is one of the senators 
specifically asked her about the stock market and how much it's down. And I think the NASDAQ today at one point was down over 19%. So that's the closest it's come to the official bear market. So we'll probably be there, you know, sometime this week, probably by tomorrow, you know, because every time we have these rallies towards the end of the day and then we sell off at the close, but we close off the lows. I mean, that's all bearish, right? There's no capitulation. Nobody is throwing in the towel. And again, you know, the, the most ridiculous thing about all the discussions that I'm listening to on television about the market. Everybody's scratching their heads and trying to figure out, is this an overreaction to the problems in China, right? Is it an overreaction to what's happening in Europe? Or is it an overreaction to oil prices? Nobody ever stops to consider that the U.S. stock market is going down because there's a problem with the U.S. economy. It's all like our economy is fine. And are we overreacting to the possibility that some of these problems over there could somehow infect our otherwise healthy economy? It doesn't dawn on anybody to think our economy is already sick. It doesn't matter about what what disease uh, is ailing the rest of the world. We've got our own sickness. In fact, we're the reason that everybody else is sick. But, you know, Janet Yellen was asked about the stock market, how much it's gone down since she raised rates. And the senator said, do you feel that this decline is somehow related to your rate hike, right? That was the question. And then this is where Janet Yellen channeled Scott Nations because she basically gave the same answer. She said, well, I don't think so. She said, because when we raised rates the day that we did that and for the first week or two, the markets were up. So therefore, the decline has nothing to do with our rate hike. That's what she said. Now, first of all, you had another Fed member uh, say, come out and say, I think it was Dick Fisher said, oh, yeah, we all expected the market to go down because, you know, we front loaded growth with all our QE and cheap money. And so we knew that if we raised rates, the market would come down. So you have somebody at the Fed saying, oh, yeah, we knew we expected the market to come down because we front loaded it all. We artificially stimulated it uh, with cheap money. And so we knew that when we raised rates, the market would go down. And now you have Janet Yellen saying, oh, no, raising rates had absolutely nothing to do with the market going down, right? Because, hey, for two weeks, it didn't fall. Yes. And then it collapsed. We've had the biggest decline to start a year in the history of the stock market. And again, Janet Yellen and Scott Nation somehow think that massive collapse and the fact that she raised rates two weeks earlier uh, after having left them at zero for seven years, that those two events have absolutely nothing to do with each other. Like had had she not raised rates, the exact same thing would have happened, which is amazing because, again, and Janet Yellen pointed this out. The markets had convinced themselves incorrectly, which I said at the time, that this rate hike was okay, that this little rate hike was going to work. Uh, the Fed was going to be very slow in the way they raised rates. And in fact, what really might have been the, the pin that pricked it, not just that rate hike, but when they came out a couple of weeks later and talked about how there's going to be four more coming, that was really what pushed it over the edge. I mean, I think the market would have gone down anyway, but the market wasn't prepared for that because when the Fed raised rates, the main reason that the market didn't immediately collapse is because a lot of people were thinking it was one and done. That was part of it. Okay, we got it over with. Now they're not going to raise rates again. And then all of a sudden the Fed comes out and says, we're raising rates four times in 2016. And the market was like, what? 
and then everybody hit the sell button and you know it's been sell 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 ever since and they're just not getting that connection they're trying to act like they got nothing to do with this and so when are they going to admit it because if they don't think the rate hikes had anything to do with the market sell-off well then they must think that cutting rates uh won't help the market but of course we know they don't really believe that because every time the market has fallen in the past that's exactly what they've done and you know they put so much stock in the wealth effect how can they watch all of that wealth evaporate and assume it has no impact? And again, these guys are all talking about how the U.S. economy is in great shape and there's no recession. If we had 0.7% GDP growth in the fourth quarter, which is going to be revised down, by the way, but if we had 0.7% growth in the fourth quarter, and that was before the market crashed, now we have a market crash, right? And, you know, this quarter is barely over, right? What is it? Halfway over. Who knows what it's going to be like by the time we finish up with March. By the way, this is the best quarter for gold in 30 years. 30 years. I mean, you don't think there's, there's only kind of coincidence going on here that gold has that, that best rally in 30 years? The Japanese yen in the last two weeks, this is the biggest drop the dollar's had against the yen since the long-term capital management crisis in 1998. I mean, this is a huge decline in dollar-yen. That's telling you something. Everybody is assuming... Oh, no, all this stuff has happened in this quarter and we're nowhere near a recession. Yeah, the Fed thinks we're so far away from a recession that they're spending their time trying to figure out whether or not they have the legal authority to do negative interest rates. If they're already that far down the ladder of we've already gone past cutting rates to zero. And of course, before they even get to that, see, before they cut rates to zero, the Fed has another card they can play in their easing you know, deck. All they have to do is say, we've put rate hikes on hold. Right. They don't even have to look. That's the first step in the easing. Just dial back the expectations, which she hasn't even done officially. All she said is, oh, we keep monitoring the data. But then no matter what the data is, the Fed still says everything is great. So they monitor the data. The data is awful. But the Fed is like, well, everything is fantastic. We're not worried about that data. So there's still a lot of steps that the Fed could take to ease, dial back the expectations. We're not just take take uh, March off the table officially. We're not going in March. Take it off the table. Take June off the table. Just pretend you're going to do it in September. There's all sorts of things they can do. And if that doesn't work, then they can lower rates to zero. I mean, going negative is so far down the chain, yet that's what they're talking about because they're already there because they know that we're going to get there, which doesn't jive with their otherwise rosy scenario of what they believe is going on. Well, I got a little press today, uh, some of it good, some of it bad, but I guess, uh, you know, all press is good press, right? As long as they, they spell your name right. But so this guy wrote an article that appeared in Market Watch, this guy named Howard Gold, and it's an opinion piece. And basically, I put it up on my Facebook page. There's a big sign on there, red sign, wrong way. It's the five worst investment calls of the century, right? Which is, I guess, what, uh, 16 years old. The worst calls in the century. And I made the list. I made the list. Um, And what was the call that landed me on the list? It was my prediction of $5,000 gold. Now, first of all, I didn't put a specific date. I've always said that I think gold's going to 5000 The closest anybody ever pinned me down was a few years ago. CNBC asked me, when is it going to get to 5000 I said, I think it'll be there in a few years. That was it. You know, now, you could say a few is three, so I guess it's not at 5000 So technically, yeah, I guess I got that one wrong, right? 
But, you know, if it's at if it's at five thousand in four years, am I wrong? Oh, pretty close. Right. I mean, it's still pretty close. Even if it got to five thousand in five or six years, I don't think my prediction would be that bad. It's a little premature for this guy, Howard Gold, to say that's the worst uh, prediction of the century. And in fact, he goes on in the article itself and basically says gold will never be at five thousand dollars an ounce ever, ever. He basically said it'll be there when Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy are having brunch on Mars, right? So that is probably the worst call of the century because it will be there. It may not be there in a few years from when I first said it, but it's going to be there, you know, and it may be there a few years from now. But here's the interesting part about this guy's article. Two of the other worst investment calls of the century were Alan Greenspan and Ben Bernanke. Alan Greenspan made the list for saying there wasn't a housing bubble. So that was the worst call of the century, saying there wasn't a housing bubble. Well, first of all, everybody said that. Almost nobody said there was a housing bubble. So I don't know why you want to single out Ben Bernanke, I mean, Alan Greenspan, because just about everybody said there was no bubble. I was one of the guys that said there was. And in fact, I wrote all sorts of articles critical of Alan Greenspan's denial that there was a housing bubble. I wrote articles like, Alan uh, Greenspan says there's no housing bubble. What is he, blind? And I would compare him to Mr. Magoo. And I say, of course there's a housing bubble. I wrote all these articles on the internet, you know, describing why there was a housing bubble, the factors that were causing it, what was going to happen when it popped. So if denying there was a housing bubble was the worst investment call of the century, then my correctly spotting it, describing it, warning about it, would qualify as the best call of the century. So if this guy does a five best investment calls of the century. He better have me on there. In fact, the other worst call was Ben Bernanke for saying that subprime was contained. Well, the minute he said that, I was on TV, I was on the internet saying, he's wrong, it's not contained. I mean, it's contained to the planet Earth, but that's about it. I said it wasn't even about the problem spilling over from subprime to prime. I said the entire mortgage industry was infected. Everybody had the problem. I just said that subprime was the weakest link, right? They were showing the symptoms first, but the rest of the mortgage industry had the disease. We would just have to wait longer for the symptoms to surface. So again, if Ben Bernanke's assurance that subprime was contained was the worst investment call of the century, then my call that it wasn't contained, that it was the entire market, Well, that would mean that I got another one of the best investment calls of the century. So if he writes another one, he better give me two out of five. In fact, if gold does go to $5,000 in the next several years, I would still say that that was also one of the top calls, even if it took a little longer uh, so we could put that in there. In fact, if this guy actually researched all the things that I've been saying, including a lot of the stuff that's happened right now, I mean, that's kind of funny because Look at all of the predictions that I've made in the last year that are now coming true. Yet the articles that are coming out are about the calls I got wrong. Where are all the articles about the stuff that I got right? Why does nobody want to write an article about what Peter Schiff got right? In fact, if you look at a lot of the comments on this article and this other one I'm going to get to, most people say, oh, yeah, Schiff got everything wrong. He's never got anything right. He's been wrong on everything his entire life. I mean, you know, Schiff is, you know, completely wrong. I mean, Do people have any idea? I mean, all these people are criticizing me. Did they even bother to go back and research the things that I've said and the things that I've written? Have I gotten every single thing 100% right 
Of course not. Nobody does. Did I time everything perfectly? No, nobody could do that. Perfection is not the way you measure whether somebody's accurate or inaccurate. You have to look at all the things they've said over time and the reasons that they said and what happened and why they said it would happen and say, okay, on balance, did Peter Schiff did a good job? Did he have? Did he understand what was going on? And did he make accurate forecasts? Because I believe that even with the things I got wrong from a timing perspective, that you can't even find anybody over the last 10 years or 15 years that has publicly made more forecasts about more things that have come true than me. Have some of the things that I said not happened? Yes. And many of those things just haven't happened yet. But if you look at what everybody else says, look at how much stuff everybody else gets wrong. It is amazing uh, how inaccurate just about everybody else is uh, that is making forecasts uh, in the investment industry or in economics. In fact, that's the old joke about, you know, why did uh, why did uh, God invent economists? Right. To make weathermen look good. Right. So these guys are really bad and I'm doing a damn good job and I just don't get very much recognition in the media. But now this other article that came out in Market Watch, this was written by a reporter who did call me. And so he used some quotes from me. And this one isn't bad. Right. It's a little bit more balanced, although he titles it the stock market route is making Peter Schiff giddy. And uh, used a photo that I think is very unflattering. I hate this photo. A lot of people use this photo. And maybe it's because I don't look too good in it, so they want to they wanna use that photo. There's plenty of photos of me on the Internet where I think I look all right. Uh, but this particular one, I just don't like the expression on my face. I got a lot of extra weight on my, you know, on my chin but, or my neck, but they, they use this one. But the article itself is a little balanced. I mean, it gives me some credit, but he still, you know, makes fun of me for certain things. But again, you know, you go and you, you read the comments. It's the same old thing. Oh, Peter Schiff, you know. In fact, they criticize him for not being more critical of me. Like, you know, like if, if somebody writes an article that's balanced about me, then they get attacked for, you know, not, not you know, taking me to task, you know, being a Peter Schiff uh, uh, promoter or, or, you know, shilling for Peter Schiff, right? You can't, you know, you can't win with these things. But I put uh, both of those articles up on my Facebook page if you hadn't seen them. Uh, and if you want to, you can always uh, join the comments. There's very, very interesting, I guess, discussions going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, whenever somebody writes an article about me, I guess it's good if uh, they get a lot of internet traffic, they get a lot of comments, because then they want to they want to keep my name out there. Uh, they want to write more. But of course, you know where my name doesn't really get mentioned. I, you know, on CNBC or on Fox Business, you, they're constantly talking about the markets. They're talking about what's going on. I always hear them throwing out names, you know, of other people who have said things. You know, they never mention me. It's never they say. Even you'd think, I'm sure with gold up sixty bucks. I mean, even I saw that host that was interviewing me. On that futures now get that was giving me a bunch of shit and how you know how much is gold going to go up? But I I talked about how fast it would go up and it went through twelve hundred and she's reporting that gold's going up sixty dollars today. You know she's thinking about me. You know she's got to be thinking, God, Peter Schiff. But she's not going to mention me in any kind of uh, positive way. In fact, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there when the price of gold is going up like that. They're thinking about me, but the last thing they want to do is actually mention my name. So they'll talk about it some other people because uh, they don't want to call attention to anything that I get right because their main agenda is to pretend that I get everything wrong. Attention listeners, I have an urgent message for you. We're in the middle of a war. The global conflict is destroying the lives of millions without a single bomb being dropped. It's called the International Currency War, and your bank account has been drafted to fight. 
The victims in this conflict are our currencies, the dollar, the euro, the yen, the pound. They're all heading to zero as irresponsible central banks compete to see who can print the most the fastest. But there's one form of money politicians and central banks can't destroy, gold. Today, it's more important than ever to understand the value of gold in your portfolio and to keep a close eye on major market developments. Subscribe to my monthly video cast and you'll be the first to hear my latest analysis on gold investing and the currency wars. Visit goldvideocast.com right now to subscribe for free. I call the dot-com bust, then the housing bust, and I advise clients to diversify into foreign equities and hard assets while the rest of Wall Street laughed at me. Now I want to keep you up to date on the next crisis that is brewing. My gold video cast also includes personal interviews I've conducted with other contrarian investors like Jim Rickards and Axel Merck. Gold has gone up 256% since 2003, but it has a lot further to go. Don't miss the rally. You can prosper during this time of currency wars, but only if you stay educated. Get a free subscription to my gold video cast at goldvideocast.com. That's goldvideocast.com. There's so much factually incorrect information and underreporting by legacy media today. Shouldn't there be truth in media? Well, there is truth in media. Recently, a novel thought is now a reality with truthinmedia.com. Led by award-winning journalist Ben Swan, truthinmedia.com is the source for uninfluenced, reliable, fearless news where journalists pursue real questions, not conspiracies. Make truthinmedia.com your default browser's homepage today and get breaking news and commentary that speaks the truth to power. It's also where you can tune into The Peter Schiff Show every week. Visit truthinmedia.com today. That's truthinmedia.com. Access the Truth in Media RS feed by visiting truthinmedia.com forward slash feed.